Hello and welcome to the Mobile Home Park Expert Podcast. I'm Jason Sroden and joined by always Glenn Esterson and today our special guest, Charles DeHart. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. It's another great day. It's a little wet out there, but you know, things are rocking and rolling, setting up to be a great year. You know, I should have bought you a larger poster of your book in the back there so people could read. We need to blow that up. I'm yeah, just now seeing right it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know. guys got to check out that book. If you haven't read the Mobile Home Park Manifesto, Glenn's book, it's available on Amazon, and he basically gives it away. So go go check it out. Uh, Charles, hey, you how are you? Get it on on our website at the mhpexpert.com. Now we we just posted it to there the other day. You know, for cheaper than you can get it on Amazon. So, you know, but just the just the uh, ebook version. Hey, that's great. As long as people can get the information, right? Yep. How you doing, Charles? Doing well. I mean, I, I've got nothing to complain about. we got perfect weather here in Florida, so I'm not going to be as gloomy as Glenn. Yeah, Florida, it's, man. It's, it's not Florida and Southern here. California. I don't know why I don't live there. No, we Come live in Wilmington. Wilmington's nice. It's a good spot. <laughs> so, so today um, I want to talk about, we, I've been seeing a lot of people uh, chatting about is starting an RV park a good idea in the next few years? And I think that's being driven by, you know, a lot of people have become retail traders this year in the stock market, and they are seeing the boom in stocks like Winnebago and Yeti, and um, I don't remember the other publicly traded ones, but I think that is driving interest, and I think that's getting people thinking of other investments in the mobile home park space. And so I was wondering if you guys... Ha, could give us the lay of the land on where you think RV parks are going to land, if it's a good investment, and sure. kind of what the steps would be in getting involved in one. Sure. So RV parks are not mobile home parks, at least not most of the time. You know, sometimes you find RV lots in a mobile home park. And as as we've been seeing the mobile home park industry kind of uh, uh, compress its cap rates and really consolidate and become very much a, a very competitive market, we're finding other buyers looking just beyond that into the RV park world and, and the tiny home world and stuff like that. And and the RV park world at most places, you know, some of the premium locations still are very aggressively priced, but at most, in most places you can get more yield on an RV park as an investor right now. And you're seeing more people kind of go that direction, especially this year with all the COVID that's been happening and seeing how RV parks are really outperforming you know, their historicals, you know, this year, because people are just trying to get out and have some extra space. I even took my kids to an RV park this year in, in Virginia, and it was a fabulous time. Um, and so we're seeing much more interest on that. And of course, then it leads to, well, should I develop one? You know, is it, it you know, how, how does, how does that work? And, uh, you know, it's, it's complicated, but it is a little bit easier overall than building a mobile home park. Uh, Charles is actually working on an RV development right now. We're selling a few RV developments right now. And, you know, they get a lot of interest. And, you know, we sell, you know, maybe, you know, 15, 20% of our of our parks that we sell is, is an RV park or a, a mixed MH RV type of park. So, you know, we're, we're getting familiar with it, but we're not the aficionados in the RV park industry just yet. But we're we're learning as much as we can about it every day, too. Yeah. So Charles, what, what are your thoughts on, on where the space is going? Well, the, um, I think the biggest telltale sign of it, I mean, really COVID probably made this industry even more, 
um, popular than it already was, but in 2020, the industry posted record sales, like way above what they had before posted for RV sales. And, um, well, that was actually 2019. So going into 2020, they posted record sales and then through COVID they shattered all of those records. So the big, you know, the big RV show, one of the big ones is down here in Tampa. Um, I went to it right before COVID started and there's about 60,000 people there at the, uh, the RV trade show, which I mean, in the mobile home park That's space, amazing you, amount of people compare that to the biggest MH show. And maybe there's three to 5,000 people there. Right. You know? Um, yeah, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe yeah. but there was, there was easily sick. It was uncomfortable to be there. Uh, 60,000 people. Um, they had it again this year. It was the only RV show. They had it, uh, just a couple weeks ago. Um, only RV show that actually they did it publicly, but, um, How many uh, people were there. I don't know. It wasn't as many as there were. I didn't go to it, but I know someone yeah. that did. It wasn't nearly as many, uh, as they had the, the previous year, but it was still a lot. And at that show, they still sold, uh, way more RVs. So just online sales and things like that. And then the manufacturers of RVs are consolidating. So when you start seeing, you know, mobile home parks had consolidation through the mobile home manufacturing space before it came over to the ownership side and similar things happening over there. So if you're looking at where are they in relative to mobile home parks, you could draw some conclusions, maybe they're incorrect or correct, but um, they're probably about four or five years behind the consolidation curve. So if if you're upset about the way things are going in the mobile home park space, you might wanna look at it. You might wanna look at this one. It's it's a much smaller uh, vertical of real estate than even MH and, and we're, we're the baby in the bunch, you know, most of the time, right? You know, there's only 50 something thousand parks and most of those are really tiny parks, you know? so. Uh, compared to an apartment, you know, uh, you know, the industry, that's, that's a fraction, you know, that's barely a fraction. And with RVs, there's only, you know, about 12 or 13,000 RV parks in the United States, you know, and a lot of them are tiny little parks as well. So there's a much smaller amount of investment grade RV parks out there. Uh, and that industry apparently seems very underserved and it could help, you know, justify the desire to build more of these parks because you know the zoning is a little bit easier to get for an rv park than compared for an mh park for some for some reason you know beyond my knowledge uh but they do seem to build more rv parks than they do mh parks and the you know uh, a lot of workforce housing you know is fine with living in an rv park and that what you know we've seen a lot of those pop up over the last couple of years that, you know, you have a lot of contractors that you know, are on a six month or 12 month job. They don't need to stay at a hotel. Uh, you know, oftentimes they'll bring their own RV, whether it's a small one or a class A one is up to them. And then they'll park it there and live out of that spot for a while and provide very strong, you know, recurring revenues for the park owners. But different than MH, the, the, the true RV parks that are um, more daily, weekly, monthly have a much different operation than the MH parks. And, and if you're looking at getting into that, I, I, I would really advise to be talking to some of the specialists, you know, and some of the, the third party managers out there that specialize in RV operations, because it's not, it's not as easy in my opinion as, as a mobile home park. Um, 
But the wait, you think an RV park is harder than a mobile home park? You got a lot of people moving in and out every day. You know, you got a lot of different kind of revenues to keep track of. Your utilities are often just straight up included in, you know, in the camper stay that stay there. Uh, if you're catering to a specific niche of the RV, you know, class A uh, type of uh, uh, vehicles, you know, those are big. Those are really big vehicles. They, they won't fit into a lot of parks and they're coming in and out. So your, your park has to be up to grade for it. You can't be having them make hairpin turns and stuff like that or backing up in hard positions. So a lot of these parks that are being developed now are being catered more towards class A type of things. This, the phenomenal sales we're seeing is, is mostly in that class A side. Um, you know, and that's something to consider and, and, and a, a portion of our industry, of that industry, that's very, very underserved, you know, nationally, you know, because most of the parks are the old school type of RVs that are pulled behind your car and that it's, it doesn't accommodate as well. Well, let me tell you what I would do. I would add value by putting a store, a convenience store, 24 seven open and pay showers. Yep. A lot of them have that, you know, a lot of them, it's, it's, at the workforce housing stuff, you know, oftentimes the showers are, I, I guess, included. Um, you know, they have their own little kind of spot. But with the, uh, you know, we I was just at one about an hour from from where I lived, and he had a, uh, you would buy a bathroom pass depending on how long you were staying there. And you'd have your own private shower room and all that kind of stuff. They also had, a, you know, a store. You know, there's a lot of little add-ons you can add yeah. to RV park. Wood, wood, selling wood for fire. Wood, selling golf balls to hit the golf ball range stuff. You know, I mean, there's the, the one that I was at the other day. He had batting cages at this. You know, and this RV. sounds sexy to me. Like you especially know? right now, this sounds like a really cool thing to build. Like I. Yeah. I this is actually exciting to me because you can build like your own little town almost. You can build your own little town. We're, we're working a project in uh, just outside of Phoenix right now. Um, it's uh, uh, approved for 800 RV sites to development just, you know, just outside of about an hour from the Phoenix airport. Um, and it's a monster. <laughs> you know, this thing is huge. And, you know, the development costs, you know, you, like they got approved to build to build hotels and some, uh, you know, restaurants and stuff like that at the front end. And so you have a lot of construction costs going in. But once it's done, it's its own self-serving standing type of city. People you know, aren't going to go anywhere, especially now we've been in a cycle long enough where habits have changed. People don't want to go out. They don't want to go as far. Going out has a layer of stress in it. And there's going to be a transition period. So we have a few years, in my opinion, of people learning to be back in society. And I think that RV parks sound like a really good transitional investment. Absolutely. Absolutely. I that think, can turn it because you're, then you're building, you're building a fan base. Sorry to interrupt you, but you, you, once you, you open the doors, you're kind of allowing people to, to now to build those memories and family experiences. And then like, if you keep it open, maintain it, you can get people coming back for years. For years. And often they, they buy, you know, an annual type of stay, you know, at these things, because they, they don't always want to shuffle their, their RVs around. They, they might leave them there. They might want to come back as they needed. Uh, you know, up, you know, uh, uh, up where you live, um, I used to take my kids all the time to these RV parks up there. There's some, there's some fantastic ones. Uh, there's one in particular I used to really like was a, a Yogi Bear Park, and they had water slides and pools and, and a big lake to take the kids on. And 
you know, it, it was, you know, it was fabulous, you know, it was a, a very affordable way to go get with nature and still, you know, have a great time with the kids without them arguing about, Oh, you know, this is boring. Right. They uh, got the amenities. You know, you know, Charles is looking at a deal right now in Virginia. That's a little bit different. I'll let him kind of talk about it a little bit, but it's, you know, you know, within the RV world, just like anything else, there's all these little kind of segments of, of how to be profitable. And this is actually a, a development that just got all the approvals um, and it's on the Blue Ridge Parkway. Um, and, 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 and he's, he's looking at it to help the seller from an advisory standpoint on what can be done with it. It's a really neat project, but Charles, why don't you tell a little backstory on that one? Yeah. Even for RVers, it's a, it's a bit of a niche product, but it is a, it's an HOA exit. So it's more of a, um, it's more along the lines of like a hybrid co-living type investment, you know, slash it's an RV park. Um, but the, the, the entire epitome of this thing is that basically you're building an RV park, you're subdividing the lots out and then you're selling the individual lots. Someone buying the, at least the, the paperwork and the dirt as it sits today would be, you know, breaking ground, building the RV park. Um, it, you know, the design is supposed to be a really nice design, you know, fire pits and little outbuildings and stuff like that. Um, fire pits and, and all kinds of things, but you know, it's, it's catering towards the, the, uh, the, the super wealthy class a customer. And so when you think about how easy it is to get a project like that approved with a city, it is, you go in there and say, you're going to build this thing to attract extremely wealthy people who have, you know, in many cases, some of these RVs are a half a million dollars, a million um, plus, you know, a lot of them are a million yeah. plus nowadays. Some of them can be upwards of over a million. And so you're attracting people into the local area to spend money in local businesses. It's not a hard sales pitch. Whereas a so mobile how home How long did it take that guy to get his final approval? Like it took, it took a hot minute. Well, he was fighting another, another battle. He had an access point to the Blue Ridge Parkway that he fought for a long time to get. Um, it didn't, it didn't end up going that way, but he, you know, he kind of got robbed on that deal. But, um, as far as getting the approval from the County, they immediately loved the idea. It wasn't something that was ever in question. A lot easier than getting the mobile home park approvals. That's for Oh sure. yeah. You yeah. Know? Not even, an, it's, it's not even along the same lines. It's something that, that every town would probably welcome, um, is a, you know, an RV park because of, you know, it's tourism. People yeah. like tourism. It's a much easier sell than a mobile home park because it yeah. doesn't have the stigma. Right. And it's, but, but municipalities are kind of wising up a little bit and being like, well, you know, are you going to have permanent, you know, tenants living there? You know, is this tenant going to live here 365 days or is he just going to be here, you know, one, one weekend every few months? Cause there's, there's, you know, that's the thing the cities are starting to wise up to because as you get a lot online that can, you know, handle a, a nice, you know, a nice size unit, you know, and, and today we have these things called park models, which technically, you know, classify as an RV kind of umbrella type of thing that people can live in. And they're really nice. They're about 400 square feet. Um, and they put those there. And, then, you know, is that person now allowed to live there year round? And the argument mostly is, yes, they are. Uh, but lately we've been seeing municipalities going through and, and, and if they're not properly, still properly zoned for that, they're, they might be giving the landlord some, some headaches about it. Um, but that's, that's a great conversion for a lot of people is taking an RV park and converting it into permanent RV tenants. Um, there's, there's a, a real nice fish camp in the park up by, up by me that the owner, you know, he has, he doesn't want to run an RV park, right? So, you know, he, he, 
he's got this beautiful piece of land right on the water with a with a big dock and all that stuff and people like to fish there so he you know took his rv park and makes his tenants pay annually so you know and he sells out instantly um and that those tenants just come and go as they please but they're not allowed to stay there for any extended period of time for you know without having a break within their stay um it's pretty interesting, you know, pretty interesting way. When you think of fish camp, you don't think of something fancy, but you go to that place and it's, it's pretty fancy, you know. Charles, what do you, what is like the, because you're looking at it, the ROI on something like this? How do you calculate where it might go? On an HOA exit type situation or yeah, on, just well, a regular I'd like, R? I'd like to hear both if you, if you have insight into that. Sure. Um, the HOA exit what we're looking at with that, and it seems to be in line with where, you know, there's only a handful of people that do this niche, um, but it seems to be in line with what they do uh, is, you know, you're, you're probably developing the, the property at about 25 to 30,000 a lot. That includes the land, which is very similar to what it takes to do a, a mobile home park. And um, on this particular one, we've actually got the benefit of having sales comps on another project that was done pretty close by. And those lots sell for anywhere from 90,000 to 150. So it's a pretty decent ROI. It's basically 4X and there's leverage in play too. So, you know, levered returns of eight to 10X, you know, but it might, there's some risk of not being able to fully exit there. Um, but, you know, your break even point on 49 lots here is you sell basically 13 lots and you've broken even and paid back the bank. Um, and then you can always rent if you don't sell them you can always rent them and in this property there's a neighboring koa park that would probably if you had a batch of 20 lots they would probably buy it from you um, if you got stuck there so there's you know it's a lot of risk mitigating things that you look at when you do development but as far as a traditional rv park that operates traditionally that's stabilized um, cap rates are changing on that. It's all based on a spread from the interest rate, but it, it you know, probably five years ago was a. They were all in the teens five years ago. Yeah, low teens. Uh, now it's probably in the nine, nine, ten. I mean, it's really funny how. Eight to ten. Yeah, they use GRMs a lot more instead of cap rates over there because it's more of a, it's more of a business. More of know? a business model. Yeah. You know? And then of so, course, like the the Myrtle Beach stuff and and the coastal stuff that's still trading at premium pricing five six caps you know mm -hmm. just because it's very location based and historically is never you know gonna uh, it's never had too much of problems in their PLs and occupancies and things like that so um you know but when you go into just middle america today we're, we're you know our our, our uh, parent company marcus samilla chap that does you know the brokering side of life they, you know, they, they broker a lot of RV parks, and, you know, we're, we're seeing that consolidate and compress in value and getting more aggressive every year as well. And, you know, the stuff in the, in the Midlands, you know, kind of America, they're, they're definitely trading, you know, probably mostly in that seven to 10 cap range. Whereas most of the mobile home parks we're trading nowadays are trading in that, call it five to eight cap price, you know, and an eight cap is utter dog poop 90% of the time. And, you know, the five caps, kind of that premium stuff. And, and in the RV world, you can also, especially if you're an owner operator, uh, get a much better loan than you can for mobile home parks. And you can get, you know, an SBA loan most of the time that you can get into a deal for five or 10% down. 
Um, and that's that's pretty attractive if you're going to be an owner operator. Uh, and then you go to the other side of the scale and you got companies like ELS who have some of the most beautiful mobile home or, uh, RV parks in the country on some of the best dirt in the country. And I mean, they're like Disneyland, but in an RV world, you know, and it's uh, it's pretty impressive stuff. I mean, it, they, they're a juggernaut in that industry as Sam Zell tends to be in any industry he's you know, involved with. But, uh, you know, his parks are beautiful and, and they stay you know well occupied. They ran very much like a business as compared differently to the mobile home parks, which, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty much like once you, once you stabilize it, you kind of know how it's going to run pretty smoothly from that point on. Whereas an RV park still has much more fluctuation, you know, beyond just stabilizing the, the, you know, the, uh, the operations of it because the operations are going to swing. Like right now in COVID, one of the RV park guys that, that we do a lot of business with, uh, he's out of Virginia. Um, he, you know, was telling me about one of his parks that their maintenance shot through the roof during COVID because they're having to wipe down tables, you know, every hour or something like that. So the maintenance staff and the cleaning supplies and cleaning the showers and the benches and all that stuff is, you know, is making it almost hard to be profitable at that particular park, but he's not in the greatest of locations. Um, and he was struggling at that location before COVID, you know, it's, it's, you know, if you go to Texas, you know, parks are popping up left and right in, in Texas and, and New Mexico. And a lot of the towns are starting to give five-year term limits to, to a lot of these workforce camps that yet, you know, these RV parks that are more workforce based. So you, you kind of have to understand, you know, a lot about the municipality that you're trying to do the business, in, you know, before you, you go and start building your own, you know, or trying to think about building your own RV park there. Uh, long-term, long-term and location dependent, they're always going to win. You want to use those strategies. I, I, I think that I want to do this. It sounds like you could really make a pretty penny and set up successful businesses and you could even set them up as separate entities and sell them off piece by piece. You so know. your your shop is this, you're this. That way when you get loyal customers who come every year and you you're you're building people that you can sell off pieces to. Yep. Yep. You know, it's it's a really interesting model. Um, you know, it, it, I, I fantasize about having a really bougie RV park somewhere one day, a very exclusive type of RV park. You know, I mean that's like one of my retirement dreams. Uh, I think it would be a lot of fun, you know, kind of like on the hotel side of the world. But, you know, a little bit, you know, more my style, you know, I think it would be be kind of interesting. Man, that's so, Charles, do you think you'll spend time at the park if you get it? Um, I definitely will. I mean, it's in my hometown where I grew up at. Oh, wow. So I'll I'll end up there from time to time. But, um, you know, it it's um, it's it's definitely something I don't have an RV yet and I've never, never driven one. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, and the, uh, I don't know if I could afford the RV that you have to have to be in that park. <laughs> I could probably get it done to build it, but I don't know if I could afford to be there. My, so. my account seems to think I should buy an RV and my <laughs> logo on it. I'll sell you a lot. I'll Glenn. Make the team drive around the country with it doing, you know, doing stop bys and saying hi to people around the country. Uh, you know, I guess there's some really great tax incentives you know, for these kind of, you know, class A RVs right now that make them, you know, kind of make sense. If somebody wants to sell or buy an RV park with you guys, what would be the process? Same as anything else. You know, we, 
we, we do the whole, you know, interview with the seller, understand everything about, you know, the operations of that thing, dig deep into the financials and kind of see the trajectory of, you know, how it's been, where, where it's not performing as well on, you know, certain line items and trying to figure out why, figuring out what the debt's going to look like on there, developing a buyer profile and seeing if there's even a buyer out there for, you know, uh, for this type of park. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a very complicated process, but it's essentially the exact process as we do for MH, which is a very complicated process to, to, to get a park from, from here to sold. Uh, and an RV park's no different, and it is a smaller buyer pool out there than even our industry. You know, I mean, there's, there's definitely a lot of good guys out there. I mean, there's, uh, you know, four or five groups that come to mind that are just, you know, phenomenal to work with that we've, you know, done numerous transactions with now. And, you know, I, it, there's a buyer pool out there and it's, you know, developing more and more every day as, as yield continues to be what people chase, regardless of, you know, how hard the, you know, or, or, or challenging a deal might be. You know, years ago, nobody would do MH. And nowadays, everybody wants to do MH, you know. And, and a few years ago, people started looking at RV. And now a lot of people are looking at RV. And so we're, you know, I have a feeling as yield continues to be elusive for many investors, these little niche kind of products are going to become more and more popular. Man. Um, well, guys, if anybody out there is interested in an RV park, buying or selling one, you definitely got to reach out to Glenn and his team. You can reach Glenn at gesterson at themhpexpert.com. You can uh, also call Glenn anytime. Glenn, what's your number? Cell phone's 423-483-0492. You can ring me anytime you need. If I'm available, I'll answer. You can also call our team hotline. It's 720-MHP, the number 4-Y-O-U, MHP4-U. Nice. And Charles, how can people get in touch with you? Well, my phone number is 276-237-4311. And uh, it's charles.dehart at marcusmillichap.com. Guys, thank you so much. I, I learned a ton and I think I have like a goal. I want to own one of these parks at the bottom we'll of a mountain. Me and you, Jason, me, you and Charlie, we'll make it happen. Dude, that would be so fun. Be I so think fun. we could, we could brand the hell out of it and do something really cool. I'm actually really stoked on it. So. We got a neat one out in Asheville. You got oh, one out in, uh, what? where's that one that you had, Glenn, that you were looking at the, uh, the one out in Maggie Valley. Oh, that one's a pretty one. That was, yeah, uh, base of the mountain, everything. It's right at your wheelhouse. I'm seeing it in my head, guys. Yeah. I'm seeing it. Yeah. Oh, we got to um, do a up 10 or $12 billion, and it could be all ours. <laughs> That's it? Yeah. No problem. No problem. Chump change. Chump change. Guys, thank you so much. Uh, everybody, thank you for watching, listening, whatever you're doing. You can always check themhpexpert.com for more information. And feel free to hit us up um, on SoundCloud or on social. We're always looking for topic ideas. So let us know. Thank you. And we'll see you next time.